Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys, and welcome back. It's Brad Thornton here. So I'm doing an episode that's going to talk about uh, transitioning from NHS into private dentistry. Now, this sort of specific topic is very UK-centric. Now, we do have listeners from all over the place, and we're, we're listened to on every continent, or well, every habitable continent, unless there's some research on Antarctica. I don't think anyone else lives there. So we're, um, we're listened to everywhere. So I am aware that this is a topic that is talking about NHS dentistry, which doesn't exist anywhere else. But hopefully some of the topics that we'll cover will sort of uh, maybe touch on things that people are feeling with regards to stepping the dentistry up or starting to work somewhere that that is maybe more in keeping with the kind of dental treatment that they want, the higher value stuff, the more complex stuff, the more sort of cosmetically focused stuff. Um, but primarily when I'm talking, because this is, this is kind of my personal experience, is, is moving from NHS dentistry into the private dental setting. Now, the way it worked for me, I was, you know, a few years out of university and I became disillusioned very early on because I think I'm, I'm a naturally hard worker, which meant that after two years or maybe what one year was my, my V-team, my training year, then I did one year of an associate and within that second year out of university, one of the other associates in the practice left and I took on sort of 50% of her contract as well as my own. So I was doing a very large contract, working hard for that. Um, for, for an unknown reason, I, and this wasn't, I mean, I can't think back. I was speaking to one of my nurses today trying to figure out why I did this. And maybe it was financial. Maybe it was the pressures of making sure that I, uh, I achieved the contract that I had. But I split my lunch in half. I had half an hour. I didn't take all of my allocated holiday for the year. I was working for a corporate, so it, it very much was, you know, you take the holiday that you've got that was set out in the agreement. It's very kind of strict with that. And I, I didn't take all of it. I actually asked the manager if I could give my holiday to any of the nurses, which of course was um, in a nice way, but that was laughed at because obviously that isn't what happens. Um, so yeah, I worked very hard. My day became a, a list of numbers rather than patients. I was seeing how many UDAs I could get for each patient, what, how that had contributed to the contract that I had. And I don't know, I just, I, I did the, uh, the Tipton course, Paul Tipton's Tipton training around my third year out of university. Um, and that coincided with me basically taking the leap and buying my own private practice, which at sort of 25 years old was pretty, pretty high risk really. Um, I don't come from a family of, of money, so this wasn't anything that my parents gave me. And um, they did have to remortgage part of their home, which I then paid them back. Plus, I took out a big bank loan, used all my tax savings because I thought I'm on a private practice. I mean, I'm going to be swimming in cash straight away, so I don't need my tax money. This was in September. And of course, the tax bill payment is in January. I thought I was going to recoup all of that in the few months between then and the new year. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Uh, but at the time, I felt that I could do it. I felt like I'm a hard worker. I can put the hours in, you know, it won't be a problem. I think what that does is that sort of attitude to private practice, I think is, 
is sometimes what I see when I speak to other young dentists, this, this idea that you're going to move into private practice and you're going to earn, you know, you're going to earn your fortune in private practice, which is never the case. Now, you may end up earning a lot of money um, by moving into private practice, but that shouldn't be the main motivator because from experience of my experience, from experience of others, you will often go from running, um, from working a, a reasonably good NHS contract where it's a guaranteed income, where you're probably doing quite well, where you've got the private that you do on top of that, moving over into private practice where it probably takes quite a bit of time to get to, to settle in, for you to build the book, for you to develop it, for you to build rapport with patients before you can start talking about the more complicated treatments. Um, so you often get a bit of a dip in pay before you then start to work it back up again. And this can take a while, you know, we're talking months, sometimes a year or two before you can really start, start, to, start to see that, that development. The one thing that I think is important to, to know is, you know, you, you don't get paid for being a private dentist. You don't get paid well for being a private dentist. You get paid well for being a good dentist. You can charge more when you are giving the clinical outcome that justify the fee that patients will pay. And in private dentistry, you're in control of that. But the reality is that, that the market will tell you whether, whether you're worth it. You know, you determine the cost and the price, but the market will determine your value. And if you provide value to patients, the market will reward you for that and patients will pay accordingly. So you've got to get it out of, the, out of your head that, you know, you're going to go into private practice and you're going to earn a fortune. You may go into private practice, which will help you develop your skills and become a better dentist if that's the way you are. And with that, you will then earn more money. So it shouldn't be the, the primary focus of a, of a dentist moving into private practice. It shouldn't be financial. It needs to be other, other things such as, you know, the development of, of your skin. You, you know, you need to be feeling like you're doing it for the right reasons. Now, in my opinion, you know, when I'm looking at, at dentists as potential associates at my practice, and when I'm talking to other uh, practice principals regarding recruitment and, and the kind of dentists that they're looking for, and I'm talking to recruiters and things, the, the, the thing that I look for, the thing that I think people should be focusing on, and by default, this means what you should be also focusing on as a potential associate moving into private practice, is you need to be concentrating on the, the, the attitude towards things like a personal development and self-development and professional development. You need to be working on things like communication. You need to be making sure that you're actually already starting to be the dentist that you aspire to be, regardless of where you're working. So you need to be doing the courses. You need to be carrying out the treatment to a, um, to a higher standard. You need to be maybe slowing down and spending more time. I know it's difficult when you're wrapped up within an NHS contract, but you know it's not as though when you get a private associate position, you've reached some nirvana where everything all of a sudden clicks into place and boom, you're carrying out the dental treatment that you want. You're providing the care that you want for the patients because you've got the time to do it. You need to be doing that now um, because that's going to set the tone for the kind of work that you're carrying out, it will work on your communication and you'll start being able to hopefully build a portfolio of work that you can use to give yourself a bit of 
you know, a boost when it comes to going for these interviews and, and, and approaching these private practices. Because unless you're doing the work already, it's very difficult for a principal to be able to see how you'd fit in to their clinical environment. Now, for me personally, you know, the attitude of the, of the dental associate goes a hell of a long way. Because for me, if people are doing a lot of self-development and they're going on the courses and their communication skills are good, they build rapport with me quickly and easily and they've got their head in the right place, I don't mind whether they're an excellent clinician. So long as they're competent, so long as you've got the right attitude, it's all about progress, not perfection. And if you're heading in the right direction, I'm happy with that. So in terms of things that you want to be doing, first of all, is building a portfolio, working on self-development, communication, going on the courses, starting to carry out the work right now, become the dentist you, you want to be. Maybe have a word with the principal. And if you've got a big NHS contract and you're finding the time pressures that you have you know, with that, maybe have a word with the principal. I mean, it seems like it's a bit of a questionable thing to do, but can you maybe reduce the NHS burden so you can try and spend a little bit more time focusing on the private side of the work that you're carrying out? Can you commit additional clinical time and focus and, and section and compartmentalize the book so that you're carrying out private treatment in an extra session? You know, if that's something that you want to be doing, then you need to be committing yourself to that and trying to put the time and energy into it before you're moving into private practice because like I said, it's not like a, a switch clicks and you become a different dentist. I know when I uh, came to, to my private practice, when I first came, it took me a long time just to figure out how to slow down. You know, I was so used to trying to do things quickly that slowing down was a, was a, was a conscious effort. I had to do things slower. And then by doing that, you spend more time, you pay more, pay more attention and you carry things out to a higher standard. I also think it's important for you to just check your expectation a little bit and, and make sure that you, you're doing things for the right reason, which sounds obvious, but you, know, you need to focus on patient care, patient outcome. The finances follow that. They, they follow successful treatment. They follow successful outcomes and, and, and good patient care, good rapport, word of mouth. Um, high levels of clinical outcome, that the money follows that. Um, it can't be the primary motivating factor. I mean, I've had uh, associates that have come in and, and been here for interview, you know, fresh out of university, which isn't a problem to me, who have said before I've met them that they need to be hitting certain uh, cash goals, they need to be earning a certain amount, otherwise it's not worth their time. Now, regardless of the fact that that's just a ridiculous thing to say to a potential employer because it shows a real lack of attitude. It also shows a complete uh, lack of awareness of the fact that at some point you need to pay your dues and you know, if you want to develop the skills, you need to slow down, you need to build a book, you need to work with the practice to get to a point where you can charge more and you can earn the money that maybe you're aspiring for. Now, it may happen quickly, and you may walk into a position where you've got um, a very busy, receptive patient base, which is brilliant, but you, you need to make sure that your expectations are potentially a little bit more realistic. 
some things that are going to help with regards to actually finding the right kind of position. I mean, there's a couple of things that I think are important. I mean, one is getting to grips with a digital camera, with an SLR camera, get a good portfolio, um, start to get built as soon as you can, start taking photos, just start taking photos of everything because fair enough, you want photos of your best work, but start documenting things because sometimes something will happen and you'll get a result that is far better than you were actually expecting it to be. And you'll kick yourself for not taking any uh, any imagery and any photographs of it. Work on self-development, work on communication. You should be doing non-clinical courses as well. I think that's really important. You know, get mentors, people that can help. Um, something that I think's maybe a bit of a bit of a trick, I guess you may, might might um, might describe it as that. But if you want to get on the radar of private practice that are within a certain distance from where you are, maybe local private practices, refer patients to them. If they accept referrals, refer patients to them. Um, make, make them aware of, of you. Also contact them, go and shadow, reach out to, to maybe, if they do CPD courses at the practice, make yourself known to them. If you get yourself onto their radar, then... If they know who you are, that's sometimes the first step to getting through the door, especially some of the really top-end referral practices. Um, I think that's quite a good way to, to go, and, and some of the good private practices as well. If you get on their radar early, maybe long before you actually, uh, uh, maybe before they're advertising, before you're ready to move on, I think that's quite a, quite a useful way to, to make yourself known and maybe network with, with those practices. For me personally as well, for, for my recruitment, I tend to actually go to recruiters and I think it's important to get yourself registered with as many of the dental recruitment agencies as you can. Um, I don't think you're going to find a good, I mean you will do because I've seen them, but I don't think from as, from as far as I know that many good quality private practices put ads out on Facebook. I mean I might be wrong and I'm happy to be proved wrong because I think Finding good associates is getting quite difficult, so I think people are, are doing what they can, but I tend to find that actually going through recruiters is, is, is a good way to do it. So I'm, I'm assuming that other dental practices that are private uh, would do the same. So get yourself registered with a lot of the dental recruitment agencies, build a portfolio, reach out to private practice, try and go out, go shadow, refer patients to them so they know who you are, so they can maybe get a glimpse of the kind of work that you're carrying out and just be patient. Start becoming the dentist that you aspire to become right now in the NHS practice that you're working, wherever that is, whatever type of practice you're in. If you aspire for greater things, it's not the practice that you're working in. The, the practice provides an environment that might enable you to become that dentist. But the reality is it is you that does it, that does the work. It's you that carries out the treatment and, and treats the patients the way that you feel you should be treating them. Become that dentist now so that you're ready when the time comes to step into private practice and make the most of it. I hope that's been helpful. If you have any questions, let me know. Keep in touch. Let me connect. Like I said, this, this episode has come off the back of being asked personally to do it. Um, and I do feel that the episodes that we provide that are based on what people are asking for, they're the ones I enjoy the most because I think especially something like this, which is very close to, to me, you know, it, it kind of describes my journey. 
and speaking to other people. I know that young dentists straight out of university, that's the, what they want to do. They want to move into private practice. They don't want to be bound by the, you know, by the limitations of a contract that kind of steers them down the path that maybe they, they don't want to. But if anybody wants to chat to me about this and wants any advice, then just 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 message me. Um, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, this is where this came from, an Instagram message. The Instagram is uh, Brad underscore Thornton underscore. That's my Instagram. Find me on Facebook. And, uh, and yeah, just reach out, connect. And if you need any advice, then let me know. Speak soon.